0: Our reading for today comes from Psalm 42, verse 11, and it says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Please be seated. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, we pray that this worship would glorify you lord we pray that your holy spirit would do its work among us lord that you would speak to our hearts and our minds that you would change us and mold us and shape us and call us into who we're we're meant to be lord we pray that you would bless the words of vicar brady that it would be your words that come through and lord that your your message would be received well Uh, lord let it change us all this we lift up in your holy name and all god's people said Amen.
1: All right. Well, good morning, everyone, on this uh, Daylight Savings morning. You know, this dim lighting is pretty dangerous, right? So I give you full permission. Look to your right and left. If anyone's falling asleep, just shake them awake a little bit. That would help me out a lot. So so if you can do that, thank you. Um, So today, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Psalms. And and I mentioned it once before when I had the opportunity to preach about a month ago that I love the book of Psalms because it gives us this insider's view into people's hearts and minds as, as they prayed to God, as they wrestled with God, as they cried out to God. Certain parts of the Bible, they give us information about things that have happened, but this gives us that inside look at what's going on in people's hearts and minds. And I think it gives us a lot of guidance for how we can approach those same things in our own lives, how we can interact with God during the challenges that we face. And so today we do that as we look at Psalm 42. And this morning we're discussing this topic of hope. Let me know if this sounds familiar to you at all. I hope I pass the test. I hope our flight arrives on time. I hope you learned your lesson. I hope that my team wins the game today. You know, have you ever said anything like that? And I'm guessing you probably have. You know, it was interesting as I was working this week on preparing a sermon about hope, it really surprised me just how often I used that word. I would catch myself in conversations saying hope this and hope that. And I'm sure you maybe do something similar to that. But the thing is we use the word hope all the time, but what does it really mean when we say that? Well, when you and I use that word, typically it means that we're wishing for something and specifically, we're wishing for something that we really have no guarantee is ever going to happen, right? It's, it's something that just lives in our dreams. Maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, but at the end of the day, it's just that. It's just a wish. And the dictionary defines hope this way, desire for certain things to happen. We know we want it. We have no idea if we're going to get it, but so often our happiness is tied directly to it. And this is how we use the word hope in our modern day. But, but that's not what the biblical writers had in mind <clears throat> when they would use this word hope as they wrote the scriptures. And so today as we look at Psalm 42, we're going to look at what true hope is. And I hope as we leave here today we understand not just what true hope is, but we understand what true hope is founded in, and that we understand that true hope is a reservoir for us that can supply us in the times of difficulty that we often face in this life. And the first thing that this psalm can teach us about the word hope is that true hope is anchored in God, not in idols. You see, God created us all with a need for him, this this deep longing that he has created inside of us that only he can fill. And the psalmist understands this as he opens his psalm. In verses 1 and 2, he says this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, the psalmist wisely starts out with an emphasis on the need that he knows he has for God and God alone. He he compares this need not to hunger. Hunger is something we can ignore, we can survive without food for even weeks at a time, but he compares it to thirst. If you try to go even a few days without water, you won't make it. This is creating this idea of just how dire it is, our need for God. He says it's like a deer panting, a deer that's been chased by a predator until it can't run any further, and if it doesn't get a drink of water, it's going to die. This is what our need for God is like. And I think we all recognize that a need like that exists, We may even understand that that God is probably the thing we should fill with it, but I think what we struggle with is understanding not just what to fill it with, but how to fill it with what we need to fill it with. We don't always know where to anchor our hope. Uh, A while back, I was watching a movie, and maybe some of you have seen it. The title of the movie is Unbroken. And it tells a story of a gentleman named Louis Zamperini. And, and Louis, back in the late 1930s and early 1940s, he was an Olympic distance runner. And then he got drafted into the military, so he became an army officer. And at one point, the bomber that he is serving on gets shot down over the Pacific Ocean during World War II. He and two men, they survived the crash, and so they, they live and they, on this raft out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean for 47 days, only to, to then be captured by the enemy and to live two years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. It's an amazing story, all the things that they go through. But there's one particular scene that my mind went to as I read this psalm. You see, they're out in the middle of the ocean on their life raft, and they're dying of thirst. And the movie does an amazing job of depicting it. The, the camera zooms in and, and their lips are all cracked and bloody and the skin on their face is peeling because that hot sun is just beating down on them. They're dying of thirst. And, and the irony of it all is that while they're dying of thirst, they're surrounded by water, right? Everywhere they look for miles and miles, all you can see is water and they're dying of thirst. And it seems like that water should be able to satisfy this need that they have, right? Right? But we all know that it can't because it's what? It's salt water. When you're thirsty and you drink salt water, it just makes you more thirsty. If you drink a little more salt water, it'll make you sick. And if you drink too much, it can actually kill you. And then a scene change happens. And you start to hear this sound. All the men have fallen asleep. And you hear this sound in the background, this this tap, tap, tap on, on the raft. And then you realize that it's starting to rain The men wake up, and when they recognize what's happening, when they recognize that fresh, clean drinking water is falling down from the sky, they get up and they turn their heads towards the sky, and they open their mouths as wide as they can, and they savor every drop of water that falls into their mouths. And I couldn't help but think as I watched that, that is that not the situation that we find ourselves in? We we live in this desperation, we have this thirst in the midst of a world that often leaves us feeling hopeless— and everywhere we turn, we see things that look like they should be able to satisfy that need. Things like power and, and money and, and sex and, and the right kinds of friends and, and the right job and the right house and the right car and the right status and, and the right amount of success and the, and the certain things that we do. But at the end of the day, all of those things are just salt water. right? They, they just leave us more thirsty drink a little bit more, and they make us sick. Too much of any of those things, and it will actually destroy us. None of those things can quench our thirst. Only God can do that. See, we need God to come into our lives like that rainstorm over the Pacific Ocean and pour that true living water into the places where we're most thirsty. So what do you place your hope in? Are you placing your hope on a wish? Or are you placing your hope in the empty things of this world? Are you trying to quench your thirst with salt water? The psalmist reminds us here that this thirst that we have, this deep longing is for God. The only thing that can satisfy it is God himself. The only place that's worthy of placing our hope is in fact him. And the beauty of all of this is that he gives himself to us. He he provides us with the thing that we need. He doesn't create this longing in us and then just leave us to be he time and time again comes to give himself to us. He's holding out that tall glass of living water, and he's saying, here, take a drink. Let your thirst be quenched. Place your hope in me. See, true hope is anchored in God. And now that, that all sounds good, doesn't it? And I think, think we all agree we understand that we need God in our lives to fill some of those longings that we have. But the next thing that we learn about true hope is that true hope, it doesn't really come naturally for us, right? When, when we face the challenging times of this life, it's hard to have hope. It's, it's hard to have hope for the future when sometimes our present feels so hopeless. And the psalmist here in Psalm 42, he understands what we're going through. And so we read his words in verse 3. This is the situation that he finds himself in. His tears have been his, his food day and night, he says. And they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? In verse 9, it says, I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Verse 10, As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? It's hard to have hope when you find yourself in a situation like what he's facing. But then look at how he responds to his own complaints, to his own list of doubts. Look at what he has to say back to himself in the midst of this challenge. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you a turmoil within me? Hope in God, he says, for I will again, I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. I'm going to, if you'll forgive me, I'm going to continue with this movie theme for just a little bit longer. I think it's because our trivia night last night was was based on movies, and so that's the mode that I'm in right now. But um, so many of our movies today that we watch, they're enjoyable to some extent because we know that they're going to work out in the end. Right? They're, they're kind of predictable, and we have comfort with that. So, so as we're watching a movie and all these twists and turns are taking place, all this crazy stuff can happen, but at the end of the day, we can sit back and say, hey, I, I know it's going to be okay. Let's just watch till the end. But even though these movies are so predictable, some of us still struggle with that suspense. My mother is one of those people. I love my mother to death, but growing up watching movies as these twists and turns would take place, she'd always be asking these impossible questions, like, "Like, what does that mean? Why did they do that? Or, or what's going to happen? Don't they know they're messing everything up? There's no way this could ever work out. And so my dad and my sister and I would always say, Mom, just relax. Like, enjoy the movie. It's all going to work out fine in the end, I promise you. And this is what the psalmist is doing to himself here in verses 5 and 11. He's literally uh, or figuratively grabbing his soul by the shoulders and shaking and saying, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. Don't you know that there's coming a day where you will be praising him again? He is your salvation and your hope. Why are you getting so worked out? It's going to be fine. But that's the challenge for us. See, in the dark times of this life, biblical hope, it doesn't come natural to us. And even, even in the mundane activities of the day-to-day, it's still hard sometimes to find hope. But that's what we are called to do. That's, and sometimes we have to be the one to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we need to preach to ourselves, have hope in God. Now, just to note here, I'm not talking about things like deep clinical depression or, or some of the terrible things that sometimes happen in our lives. I recognize that it's not always as easy as just saying, snap out of it and everything's better. But I would argue that there are some of those situations where that's exactly what we need. See, see as sinful human beings, sometimes we like to wallow in our sorrow. Sometimes we like to play the victim. Sometimes we like to live in the darkness of despair rather than to come out into the light of hope. And so sometimes we need to look at the deepest part of ourselves into our souls and say, so why are you downcast? Have hope in God. Because we know that there will become a time when we get to praise him once again, when he, he turns things around for us. And that's, that's what the last thing we learn about hope is here in this psalm, is that hope isn't built on a wish and just wishful thinking. Biblical hope is based on certainty. Remember how we talked at the beginning, our modern definition of hope. It says that hope is just a simple desire that something good might happen. But again, true biblical hope is something totally different than that. I found this, this quote. Uh, there's a pastor named John Piper who, who I read this from, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but, but this is what he says. True hope isn't just the desire that something good would happen. It's the confident expectation that it will. It's confident expectation. It's certainty, and it's not just certainty in anything. It's certainty in the promises that God makes to us. See, as you read through the scriptures, God makes over 7,000 different promises to his people. That's a lot of promises that God makes. And what's even more incredible is that he keeps all of those 7,000 promises. He says things like this, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you where he says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's making a promise. From our Psalm 42 today, he says this, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I love that verse because it tells us God doesn't just kind of nonchalantly send his love out there. Maybe it'll get there, maybe it won't. He commands it that it would come into our lives, and when God commands something, it happens, right? And let's not forget about the the greatest promise of all that he makes to us, the promise that all Scripture points to, that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who has redeemed us and, and washed us clean and made us new, God makes 7,000 promises to his people and he keeps every one of them. See, true biblical hope, it's based on certainty. Certainty that God will indeed act. Certainty that God is in fact acting even now. Certainty that he is always with us, that he's never left us, that he will always come through in the end. He knows what we need and he knows how to care for us and, and he knows how to make us grow even in those times where we don't want to grow at all. True hope isn't wishful thinking. It isn't just a simple desire that something might happen. True hope is an absolute certainty that God is who He says He is, that, that God will do what He says He's going to do. And that is the kind of hope that can guide us through the darkest of times. It's not always going to be easy, but it's there for us because He is there for us. You know when you step back and you look at psalm forty two as a whole it 's kind of interesting it, it it really what it is it 's this wrestling match that he 's having with himself it 's this back and forth between faith and hope and his sense his his understanding of what his surroundings are telling him about God and so, like we talked about in verse one and two he 's talking about how he knows his thirst is for God he knows he needs god that 's where he sets his foundation. But then in verses 3 and 4, he's he's complaining about all the things that are going on around him. He's talking about how he's day and night crying. He's asking, where is my God? But then in verse 5, he seeks to pick himself up. Why are you down, my soul? Have hope in God. But then just another verse later, he's, he's complaining again about how God seems so far from him, how he doesn't know where to go to find God, how to get to God. And then verse 8, he's talking about the steadfast love of God. He recognizes God's love is there for him. And then we get to verse 9 and 10, and it's kind of the last stand of this, this psalmist' negative thoughts and emotions. He says, God, why have you forgotten me? I'm in mourning here. It's like a deadly wound in my bones my adversaries continue to taunt me. It seems like that negativity is going to win out, but then verse 11 comes. He, he repeats the same words from verse 5 once again. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you a turmoil within me? Have hope in God, for I will again praise him. This is the battle that we face day in and day out. We, we are in the midst of that wrestling match every single day of our lives. You know, I, was, I was talking to someone on the way out after the first service, and they said, you know, Brady, you seem so calm all the time, and, and that just floored me because I live in here, and, and you guys, you don't want to see what goes on in here because I don't know if you've heard of that analogy of the duck that's swimming across the water. It seems calm and at ease, but under the water, it's just paddling 1,000 miles an hour. I feel like that's my life sometimes, and I face this battle every single day, that back and forth of, God, I know you're there for me, but then I see my surroundings, and I think, God, you're, you're so far from me, and it's just that back and forth. But I encourage you this morning that as you engage in that wrestling match, that you would end with verse 11, finding that hope in God in the midst of that battle, in the midst of that wrestling match, that you would dip into the reservoir of true hope that is there for all of us. It's that process of constantly reminding yourself of the goodness of God, constantly wrestling with the challenges that you face within yourself, overcoming that part of you that just wants to look at how bad things are sometimes. It's not easy, and it's going to be a challenge, but God promises that, that he is there with us through it. See, Psalm 42 reminds us that there's a way for hope to win out even when things seem most difficult and dark. So when there's a setback that tempts us to want to give in and to give up, an illness or a financial struggle, whatever it might be, that reservoir of hope is there to help us keep, to keep moving forward. When we receive an insult and, and we feel hurt or damaged by someone else, that reservoir of hope is there to help us to not lash out, but to repay evil with good instead of repaying evil with evil. To Take the high road because we have a hope for the future. And when, t- when temptation comes calling, seeking to plunge us into the sin that is all around us, that reservoir of hope is there to help us hold fast to righteousness and-, and turn away from those things that are empty and only promise a temporary pleasure. See, true hope, it's anchored in God, not in idols. And while true hope doesn't always come easy for us, true hope is based on certainty. Certainty that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. It's certainty that his promises are true and that his promises are for you. That's the hope that we carry into this life. As we face challenging situations, everyone in here is facing something that threatens to take your hope from you. And so I encourage you today, tap into that reservoir of hope that God gives to us. Quench your thirst in the water that is our amazing God. Will you join me in a time of prayer? Heavenly Father, it is true that, that at times, Lord, we place our hope in the wrong things. Lord, we look all around us and we see all these things that promise to take care of us, but, but God, none of them can do anything close to what you can do. And so, Lord, we confess of those times this morning. And, God, we ask that you would come into our lives, that that you would help us to tap into the hope that you provide, that you would be near to us, that you would help us to to look beyond our circumstances and, and look towards a future where your promises all come true. And, Lord, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. It's true that that this life brings challenges into our lives. And so for at least today, let me take a a moment just to remind you of the hope that we all have, the hope that God provides. The Lord our God, the one who made you, the one who didn't leave you in your sin, the one who didn't leave you in the darkness of this world. He didn't abandon us, but he sent his son, his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to, to give his life for the sake of yours. And he invites you today and every day to walk in the hope that knows, the walk knowing in the hope that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you have been made new, that you have a purpose and a future. And I'll even say that word, that you have a hope for future eternity with him. And so I pray that as you leave this place, you would know that that is most certainly true for you. And that's most certainly true for us all, that you have been forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.